Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we ask that you would speak at this time in ways that we can hear you. Help us to quiet our, our, our distractions. Help us to, to uh, lay down our burdens so that we can be attentive to your word. Be glorified in this time, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Please have a seat. All right, well, good morning again. Um, if I were to list off a few names here, I wonder if you could just describe how you feel. Okay, so just, just be in tune with your feelings for a minute. Vladimir Putin. Osama bin Laden. Saddam Hussein. Joseph Stalin. Adolf Hitler. How are we feeling? I feel uplifted. No, eh? It's Trudeau. Trudeau. <laughs> We're not going to get political here, Rick. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, we have these these names of people that have caused great angst in the past and currently, right? They're they're people that cause dread, and these are names that, that caused me dread in the past. I wonder if we were to go to the Middle East, if we were to ask them. If you could name figures in the world, past and present, who would you name? I wonder what they would say. I wonder if Bush would be on the list. Maybe Trudeau would be on the list. I don't know. We are currently living in a time of great uncertainty in our world, eh? I mean, we hear it all the time politically, economically, in the climate. Um, we have the window open, or the door open, and it is November. And I really regret wearing my dress today. Uh, it's pretty warm. <laughs> I just did it to help my figure. See, um, We have a lot in common, actually, with the Thessalonica church. I wonder if you could advance the next slide there. That's Thessalonica right there. When we are talking about the book of Thessalonians, Paul is writing to the church that was there. And if you don't know where that is, if you look over to the left, that's the boot of Italy. And uh, so we're right in Greece, right? So there's Athens down there. So just up there, this was a major trade route. Um, it, it was a church that had just undergone a period of great persecution. And uh, they, were, they were really troubled over something. They heard a rumor that Jesus had already returned. And if that were the case, then the persecution they just endured was for nothing. Because they were still struggling. There was no consolation. There was no comfort. And so Paul is writing a letter to them. He'd already written one letter. He'd already spoken with them. And now he's addressing some concerns that, that he has learned of, that they had about the coming of Jesus. And in some ways, this passage of, of 2 Thessalonians is really frustrating for us because what has happened is that Paul gave a teaching on this. And instead of outlining everything, he just refers to the teaching he gave. And it's kind of like reading Cole's notes without ever reading the play, right? You need to do both to really appreciate what's, what's going on. The question I have for us, church, today in 2022 is what do we do when we're in times of great uncertainty and confusion and discouragement? How are we to live? Now, we may not know the details of what Paul is talking about with this man of lawlessness, whatever that means. I will confess that in 
I have, in, in reading the Bible, I have wanted to assign contemporary names to that title, like Osama or Putin, but that's not necessarily helpful or accurate. So we may not know all the details of the confusion and discouragement, but we can relate to, dis- to, 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 to such things, and we can claim the teachings for what to do during them. So that's what we're going to be looking at today is standing firm in times of, of great confusion and discouragement. So let's get into this. I have a question. Have you ever let your imagination run away with you? Have you ever done that? Something that Kimberly and I have both done is uh, when one of us is late and the other one's home and, uh, you know, they don't call. And you think, why are they late? And then you hear a siren. And you think, oh, no. And I know I've had horrible images of Kimberly being upside down in the ditch with blood and everything. And what do you do when something like that happens? And you pick up the phone, you call right away. Are you okay? I heard a siren. And you're like, yes, I'm fine. You know, you know, Kimberly and I have both done that for each other. But our imaginations can be pretty powerful things and cause a lot of fear. Now, when this Thessalonian church, they were on a trade route, they get news relatively quickly in the world, but we're still talking days or weeks or months before they get anything really good, depending on the season. And they couldn't just pick up the cell phone and say, hey, Paul, I heard this rumor that Jesus is back. Could you clarify? Did you hear anything? They didn't have that luxury. And so just like our imaginations can run off, they were developed this whole narrative well, if Jesus is back, then he didn't care about me. He didn't care about us. He's forgotten us. What a horrible place to be. So, Jesus, so Paul is, is talking about before Jesus comes back, a number of things need to happen, like I told you. And we're like, what did you tell them? And we're like, we don't know. But he refers to this man of lawlessness. And, and, uh, and, and so he says he needs to be revealed and he will oppose everything that, uh, that, that calls himself God or is worshipped and he will set himself up against God. So what can we say about this man of lawlessness is that he's the personification of everything in the world that opposes God and the creatures of God. This is a bad dude. Now, interestingly, there was an emperor at this time named... I can never say his name right, Gaius Caligula. Now, he was a bad guy, probably because his last name was Caligula. <laughs> Who would want to be named Caligula? There's nobody want to marry that guy, Caligula. Anyway, at this time, Roman emperors got it into their head, hey, we're pretty powerful, we're almost godlike. You know what? We are godlike. And they set up this whole cult to worship them. And this particular emperor wanted to set up a statue in the Jewish temple so that he would worship. So maybe Paul's referring to this decree. Now that never happened because Caligula got assassinated. Not by Paul, but by someone. And so that never happened. And a war that started between Rome and and the Jews uh, happened 25 years after this. Maybe it it would have happened earlier if this guy had gone through with his plan. We don't know. But there's a lot of nasty stuff going on, a lot of concerning things. Now, the the lectionary, it sort of skips over a whole lot of uh, of stuff here because it refers to Paul's lecture. 
But just to give you the Coles Notes version, there is the man of lawlessness in the world, but he's being restrained. Restrained by who? We don't know. Could it be the praying church? Could it be Rome? Could it be Archangel Michael? We don't know, but there's this limit to their power. In the future, when Jesus returns, that man of lawlessness will be destroyed by the very presence of Jesus. This is by the breath of his mouth, not with an army or a sword or might, but just by his very presence, he'll be wiped out. But in the meantime, people who care nothing for the truth will be deceived by this person, and they will oppose God and all that God loves. So be warned. That ends the part that we just skipped. (laughs) So what are we to do? What are we to do when we don't know what's going on, when things are filled with uncertainty? What are we to do, church? The future does not look bright sometimes. And Paul models what we are to do. The first thing he says in verse 13 is we ought to give thanks, brother, thanks to God for you, brothers and sisters. Why? You are loved by Jesus. You are called by the Father. And you are empowered by the Holy Spirit who is setting you apart to be a force for good in this world. Sometimes I go to old folks' homes and I, I talk to people who have lost their spouses and they've lost loved ones and, and they, they, they say things like, has God forgotten me? Why am I still here? And it's a heartbreaking thing to hear because I can't relate to that. That's a very strange place. They feel so alone. But what I want to tell them and encourage them to do is that if you are still here, God is still working in and through you. So even if you can't leave your bed, you can pray. And I've known people who have turned their suffering itself into prayers to God on behalf of the world. Because you are here, God is calling you, loving you, transforming you more like Jesus. And so we are called to trust in this regardless of where we find ourselves and to move forward. So what are we to do in times of uncertainty? Give thanks because God is working and God is alive and well. Yesterday we had a synod. Um, so the, all of Anglicans from all over the province came. We gathered the cathedral. We'll, we'll talk about this some more at the end of the service. Um, but the bishop gave his charge and he said, yeah, we're in uncertain times. What are we to do? We're to pray. We're to discern what God is calling us to do. Now, we had a small group in this and, and uh, one person in my small group said, the question I have is how do we, uh, how are we to be faithful where Jesus has called us to a place of discouragement and decline? Let's say that again. How are we to be faithful when Jesus has called us to a place of discouragement and decline? And two other people piped up right away. Jesus would never do that. He would never call us to such a place. And I thought, have you read the Bible? Jesus was called to the cross. If you look at all the apostles except for John, they were killed because of their faith in Jesus. Like, when you look at the amount of people that are suffering for the gospel in our world today, and we are the lucky few who don't experience persecution, Jesus does not call us to an easy life. He does call us to be faithful 
and to be a force for good empowered by His Spirit. Paul says to the church in Thessalonica, stand firm. Stand firm and hold to the teachings. Um, This picture here is um, the knife's edge on Mount Katahdin. Has anyone ever done this? (laughs) That's a good time. Um, that, that's about three or four feet that he's walking on there and about two or three hundred feet drop on either side. And when you're going across that, I wish I could say that was me. When I went across that, that ridge, uh, selfie sticks didn't exist. So that was not me. Uh, but if you get up there and the wind is strong, it will knock your foot out from under you. And so you're not actually allowed to go out on the knife's edge in windy weather, but it's still unnerving to think that when you're going to put your foot down, it could just be knocked to the side by the wind, and then you could, you know, plummet to your death. It's not great. Sometimes when we are in times of uncertainty or uh, when there's great upset around us, we can get caught in the cycle of just acting for acting's sake. We got to do something, anything, because doing nothing is too uncomfortable. Paul says, stand firm, be attentive. You ever watch those old medieval battle movies where, you know, all the people are running and they're saying, hold, hold, right? And then you have to wait till the last moment before you start to attack. We're called to hold and to be firm. How do we be firm? Why be firm? Because our eyes need to be on Jesus and we need to be following his direction more than anything else. Paul goes on to say that we are to cling to the teachings or the traditions that have been passed on to us, whether by word, by mouth, or letter. What does that mean? The church is like 50 years old at this point. What kind of traditions could they possibly have? Well, they have everything they inherited from the Jewish faith, the prayers, the commandments. But more importantly, they have the teachings, the facts of who Jesus is, how he lived, what he taught, that he died for us, that he rose again from the dead, that he ascended. Those are the traditions. We are to walk in those and to cling to them. Also, the Eucharist. That's one of the traditions. Now, what we did here on Friday night is we had a shared meal. And that's more in line with the Eucharist the early church had than what we do here. Do you know that? We bring food, we share it. People come who can't bring food, they share too. That's a love feast. That's what we're called to do, to live together, to break bread together. And when they did that, what did they do? They talked about Jesus. And they did break bread and they said, this is my body which is given for you. And they did raise the cup and they shared the cup and said, this is my blood which is shed for you. Let's live in this life. These are the traditions that they, that they received. I, uh, I'm kind of addicted to murder mysteries. <laughs> I want to know who did it and why. And if for that tendency, I want to fixate on who this man of lawlessness is and why is he like that. But the heart of this passage is that, guys, whatever state you find yourselves in, Be thankful because God is at work in you. You are loved, you are called, you are empowered to be the force of the kingdom in this world. How do we we walk in this? We stand firm with our eyes on Jesus expectantly 
and we hold fast the traditions, the scriptures, the stories of Jesus, the life of Jesus, and we participate in that life and what we do daily. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that even in times of uncertainty, you are king. And so, Lord, we pray that you would reign in our hearts and our minds and that you would be glorified in how we share our lives together and seek to be light in a dark world. So be glorified in us and be glorified that that people may come to see you, to recognize your love and to receive it and reflect it themselves. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.